Introducing a new segment for Nuance Tea. It's called You Might Be Muted If. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yep. I'm pretty sure it's a thing. (laughs) Welcome to Nuance Tea. I'm Brittany. And I'm Aurelia. And we are two clergy women speaking on pop culture, identity, and healing. We are steeping into our power and we want you to join us for episode number nine. It's episode nine. (laughs) Brittany, how are you? I'm doing all right. Yes, here we are. Episode nine. We're going to talk about social media, of course, but I wanted to make the space as per usual to share whatever essentials have been getting you through this week. I think I shared last time that my anxiety was at a high point. Well, my anxiety has continued to outdo itself the last couple of weeks for sure. So I have had to take some measures, figure out what I need to show up for myself. So that has been a challenge for sure. Um, I think like I even texted you yesterday. What do you do when you're anxious? Give me some tips because I need them. Mm-hmm. Thankfully today, I saw a little bit of relief. So I am super duper excited about that. Mm -hmm. Um, So today I did some yoga, which was so good for my body. Oh my gosh, I needed that. Mm -hmm. Like the best thing ever, man. I almost want to go back and do something right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, just getting my body in movement um, really helped. And I also like started my day with a bath. <laughs> Good. Yes. It was my essential. So I needed it. So yeah, I have some very exciting news. <gasps> I am going to leave it to the Nuance Tea community to hear about more in the future. A big essential of the week has been self-advocacy and a a part of that has been naming what I need to help me step into my power even more. So it's been it's been me stepping into my intuition and trusting it, finding the spaces and the people that I can move among to make that happen. Um, So I will have much, much more to share in the future, but I'm just telling you to trust your gut and continue to follow that for all that are listening. When you feel safe and find the folks that you are comfortable enough to do so with, the more that you can evolve into your own truth and who you're meant to be. So I'm so excited for, for so much more to come get ready so i'm excited to share more updates um soon to come in future episodes you gotta stay tuned to hear what they are love it love it yeah how about you you got any essentials i've been like all hands on deck with the self-care this week i think a lot like you i've just been experiencing a lot of anxiety and the thing about anxiety is that it's not usually rational, at least in my life. And it's Mm. not, it's not something I can control. Like if I can control it, I just wouldn't be an anxious person. You know, if I could rationalize it, I would just tell it to go away. Um, but it often shows up in my body physically. And then I, 
I can't, like, I can't use my brain or my head to get out of it, you know, because my body feels achy, my body, I feel nauseous. I just feel weighed down. And so I've just been feeling a lot of anxiety as well. And when you're feeling that way, sometimes you don't even know why, and -hmm. it can be hard to sift through what's causing it. And so that's kind of what I've been struggling with this last week is like, why am I so anxious? I am on sabbatical, right? Not only it's a really short sabbatical, it's, it's one month. So I've been feeling really stressed out during sabbatical because my timeline for writing my book, I like planned a whole timeline for this month, which I'm a planner and I really love to have a schedule and it is not cooperating. (laughs) I've realized that I've been super duper anxious because of not feeling like I'm on the timeline I want to be on. And then I start to feel rushed. And then I get in this scarcity mindset of, I don't have enough time. And then I just get like super anxious. Like, how am I going to get all this done? And then I start feeling panicked because I'm already halfway through. (laughs) So I've just been really struggling with the writing process. And so my essential for this week has been to surrender my timeline. I've just had to go, I can't do that because I'm writing personal stories. When this book comes out in a year and a a few months, if you read it, every single chapter has personal stories. And I'm telling you right now that every single story I have cried tears over while I was writing it (laughs) so far. I'm halfway through right now. And so it's like, I can't rush that, but I'm starting to just really feel like really the whole process is for myself and my own healing. And I can't, you can't rush healing. So yeah, surrender has been my essential. And then the other thing that has really helped me this week is to find a way to stay in a creative headspace, but still decompress. I just got this urge in the middle of writing to paint. And I just sat outside and painted, but I'm not good at it. And it's not easy or natural to me, but it had me in this creative space. And I had been stuck on the same chapter for like two weeks, which was really annoying. And I just gave up writing that day. And I focused on this other creative thing. And then the next morning I woke up and finished the chapter. It was just like, I needed, I I don't know. It pushed through my body that way somehow. I don't know. And out my fingertips. (laughs) I always find that helpful though. I think for me, especially when I'm creating, for instance, like if I'm going to prep a sermon, I typically gain energy from listening to or putting my energy into other creative things. Like, for instance, I might listen to spoken word or music. So I feel like when you tap into anything creative, even if it's not specifically connected to what you're doing, it brings out creativity in a whole new way. Yeah, yes, exactly. It really does. And I've been reading Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. I I don't know if I've mentioned that. Oh, yeah. Well, no, you didn't. But (laughs) I know what you're talking about. Several people have told me to read it. And I've noticed it really is. It's a book for any creative person doing or any person who wants to do something creatively, but especially writing for writers. And so I've been reading it on purpose 
really slowly alongside writing my own book. And anytime I get filled with dread or despair, I stop and read a few um, words from it. Hmm. Yeah. And so that's where I got the idea to paint because I was reading one of her chapters and she said, follow or say yes to every creative nudge. Mm. And that was just in my brain. Say yes to every creative nudge, period. It will lead you to the work you need to do. I've written sermons that way too, where you, you wrestle and wrestle and wrestle and agonize and it's just so stressful or you just go, all right, that it ain't, that's not it right now. And, um, follow some other nudge, whether it's a walk or if it could be watering your plants or whatever, just gets you in your body and out of your head. Follow the nudge. Mm -hmm. I love it. We have a fun mantra to share for this week. We're going to do something a little bit different. So we shared a mantra regarding social media, which is our topic of conversation for the week. And we're going to share our own feedback on our prompt. But first, let me start with the mantra. Social media can inform my reality without becoming my reality because social media is such a relevant topic and specifically in the last year plus with the pandemic shaping our relationship with social media in such an intense way we made our prompt be very specific to that time period in the past 15 months social media has helped me by and i've had to set boundaries with social media by Brittany. Can you fill in those blanks for us this week? Because I think this is a great segue into our conversation. How has social media helped you in the last 15 months? And in what ways have you needed to set boundaries with it? When the pandemic started, I think a lot of people, including myself, were scurrying to social media as a way of connection because um, a lot of us were in our own homes or not necessarily always connected um, to those we might see on a regular basis or see in person. For me, it felt like social media was one of the primary ways to tap into those that I wanted to stay connected to. And I think a lot of people felt that way because mm -hmm. everybody, Ooh, I think, yeah. was all up on there. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I think it did help me stay connected to people. Um, but over time, I think I've had to set boundaries by maintaining and, and figuring out who I want to be connected to. <laughs> so it's actually brought me a greater, a greater ability to connect with those that I wouldn't otherwise be able to connect with because I've been able to venture into finding people through social media or having people find me. But I've also had to create some boundaries in the sense of not always spending too much time on social media, for one. Or I honestly had to unashamedly mute some people. <laughs> 
um, just to protect like my own energy or curate the space that I want to be a part of when I'm scrolling through social media, kind of similar to you would scroll through the channels on the TV screen. I've been more adamant about what I want to see. Um, on my social media feed Mm -hmm. and connecting with those that um, I have greater alignment with. So just paying attention to that and paying attention to how I feel when I scroll through social media or um, when I connect or disconnect with certain people too. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit of me. But what about you? The whole internet, all social media, it was all oversaturated with content. Everyone, every organization, Every nonprofit, every church, everyone moved everything online and was posting about it. (laughs) Oh my God. Everything. that, That was a lot. But, you know, at the same time, I'm a pastor of a church and social media helped me by enabling our community to stay connected when we couldn't physically see each other. And we did really well as churches go. We did really well. We've learned a lot to keep around that we want to keep around um, beyond this. And then with moving everything online and being home a lot more, that created some space in my life to gain some clarity about my own personal and professional passions and things that I wanted for myself. And I think I just didn't have the time or the bandwidth to go down that road prior to it. Yeah, Yeah, that's been good. Boundaries. I've needed to set boundaries because everyone's posting all the time. And because I'm a person who sees every side and doesn't always trust myself naturally, I have had to set the boundary of not everything is for me to the point where, you know, people post things sort of like, or you should be doing this or you should be doing that. And that post isn't always for me. And I think I've had to set that boundary because otherwise I would read everything. I would scroll down every feed and think, oh, I'm, this is about me. I'm doing this wrong. I need to do this better. I need to do this. I need to do that. And learning to go, oh, that, yeah, that's not about me has been a, an important boundary to learn. I love that. Yeah, boundaries are hard mm-hmm. for sure, but they are important. Yep. We also think we know people on social media when we, we can't. We, we really can't know the fullness of people. We can connect with people on certain levels, but we can't know a person. Mm-hmm. And even myself, I struggle with how to really communicate and post in such a way that I feel is reflective of the essence of me. Hmm. I don't know how yet. I haven't figured out how to do that. And then just reminding myself that that's how it is for others and not to make so many assumptions about people's personalities. And if I don't know them in real, in real life and haven't connected deeper, then I only know a part of who they are. Yeah. And I think that is also like a means of boundary setting too, because I sometimes don't feel like everyone is entitled to know every bit and piece of who you are (laughs) um I think it's up to you to share ways you want to be vulnerable and ways you want to keep your own energy to yourself oh my gosh you know what I'm just remembering 
that last night I had a dream. In the dream were two people, both of whom I follow on social media. Yeah. I was going to be doing stand-up comedy for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) But it was just funny because then that turned into someone chasing me. That's what happens in all my nightmares, by the way. I'm being chased. And then after I ran away, there was another person and that person like affirmed me and was like, Oh, hi. And I didn't even know they knew me in the dream, and but they did. And they were like, you are doing really amazing. Also in my dream, I was holding a carafe. I'm holding the carafe the whole time. And as I'm being chased, running for my life, the whole time I'm holding the carafe. <laughs> it's empty. So mm. I just feel like somebody tell me what that means. <laughs> And then at the end, I get stopped by a person I follow on social media who gives me a compliment. What does this mean? I don't know. I actually had a dream last night, too. It was of someone uh, from high school (laughs) that I barely was connected to. It kind of shed light more on things and how it intersects in my own life. I I could go into more detail of the dream, but it might be too much for this space. (laughs) I cannot wait to interpret dreams one day. I mean, I I guess I already do it, but I want to do it in a group space. It's going to happen. I'm just telling you. Major (laughs) tangent, but a good one. Yeah. Social media has seeped into every part of our lives, even our dreams. And with COVID, it has just felt so much more intense. It feels like it's been heightened, like it has exponentially changed. Social media is shaping our reality to the point where we don't know what reality is anymore. I've heard you reference social media as kind of informing reality in, in some ways. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious what that looks like for you or how you differentiate it outside of social media, what reality looks like. It alarms me how much time I spend on social media. I don't even mean to, I never intend to, but at the end of the day and end of the week, when your phone tells you, I'm always so amazed. Specifically for me, I'm going to use Instagram because that's kind of where I get sucked in. It started out as I want to learn. I want to listen. I want to read, but then the pandemic happened and everyone is putting out amazing resources, but it's just so much. So what happens Mm -hmm. is I start scrolling, 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 reading, 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 and I do it day in, day out. I start following these people. I don't know them, but I care about what their opinion is because I'm learning from them. And then I get to the point where I feel like that reality, that, that kind of like bubble, but I'm taking all this stuff and I'm placing it onto my life. I start to put more weight into what's happening on social media than just literally what's happening right there in the present moment. Sometimes I'll even, as I'm taking in real life stuff, oh, I'll have a deep thought or maybe a spirit nudge Mm -hmm. and I'll immediately go into, oh, how can I, how can I frame that? And I'll see the graphic in my mind. And I don't want to do that, but it, it happens so naturally now. I can't even have a nice thought and journal it. It goes straight on Instagram. <laughs> Sometimes I'll be sitting on my couch, having scrolled on my phone, my daughter, maybe she's playing or coming in the room or whatever. And I kind of look at her and I put my phone away and I realize like my eyes have been glazed over. Like I'm not, when I'm looking out the window, I'm not really seeing 
what's there and like the beauty of it. Even if I'm looking at the people in my life, like if I've been scrolling on my phone for so long, am I really taking in their features and like their beauty and the present moment? It feels like I'm just halfway taking in real life because of social media. And what's funny for me is just recently I was scrolling through my own Instagram account um, because someone liked something from a very long time ago. And I was like, what? (laughs) Um, But it it made me curious. Um, So I went through my own um, old posts. It was funny to me because I could kind of feel energetically the difference between like a two-year-old post versus like something I might have posted very recently. Because I feel like I showed up on Instagram completely different than I think now people use it. Um, and, and even myself, I use it as engagement in a, in a different kind of way. It's kind of connected to my mantra for the year, which um, is to be seen. Mm-hmm. And I mostly connect that to the social media space. Um, but for me, it's been how I want to be seen and show up um, in the sense that I feel like people are in need of some more high vibrational energy, um, which I also like need myself. So I've kind of been tapping into, I mean, advocacy is a part of my work. So I kind of make it my mission or goal to find more advocates online. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also make a point to find people with like good vibes and high energy too. That way I'm engaging with stuff that fills me up versus things that are low vibration or not full of good energy. (laughs) But for me, I kind of think about um, Mariam Hasna, who we both take energy work classes through. And she talks a lot about um, seeing social media as like a video game so I feel like I've been coming with more of that perspective it's more about what is best for me when I enter the social media space what I want to produce filling into my own yeah just my own energy and what feels useful yes at well and to affirm that I've told you this I admire your relationship with social media and I think it's a testament to your own a relationship with your body and with your with your intuition because you are so good at thoughtfully curating what you put out and what you take in and you have really strong boundaries about not taking in what's not good for you and you have really strong boundaries around sh- disconnecting for periods of time when you need to and i admire that so much it's like, I I probably get those nudges, but I don't listen to them. I think it's a total addiction. And because I'm such an extroverted energy, it's just draws me in, you know, to be uh, connecting Mm -hmm. all the time. Like after being on social media for a while, I'll feel really low mood. Like my mood will plummet and I'm a really joyful, enthusiastic person, but I'll be like, Oh, why am I anxious? Why am I low mood. Why does my body feel this way? And I, I've been able to see now how often it's related to being on social media and makes me so anxious. So I was wondering if you experience any of that kind of bodily anxiety. Well, one experience came to mind um, because, because of my work, um, I produce um, advocates prayers related to specific um, things happening in the world or 
I mean, I guess mostly connected to the U.S. But I post my advocates' prayers on social media. Um, and occasionally people respond. And I've had one instance where someone responded negatively to a prayer that was meant for advocacy. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. And it really like disturbed or like disrupted my mood. Um, and I had to like sift through like what I was feeling real quick um, because I think most of the time we have this urgency to respond when someone says something that, yeah, that, mm. yeah, that just says something <laughs> that you feel the need to respond to. I just decided that I did not want to expend energy on that. It just mm -hmm. felt like it was going to take too much of me to show up in a way that brought me down basically or to meet someone with the, the same low energy or low vibration so that was a bit of a boundary where I didn't feel the need that I had to um, justify something I had written or said because it was meant for good or or to have someone think through a certain circumstance in their own way and clearly it did it prompted them to really express themselves in a way that wasn't necessarily the best light so I think I did I think we're all definitely affected and I was affected by that but I had to ask myself what's the best way for me to show up and to not and to choose um, not to engage in a way that felt like it was against my own yeah system yeah so, and going back to the video game imagery I really struggle with responding immediately basically I don't like feeling misunderstood and I want to immediately remedy that immediately. There's a lot of times when it's just straight up trolling <laughs> and yeah. our job is not to absorb that. Our job is to put the remote control down, step away from the video game, and we don't bring that with us into our real life. <laughs> That's not real. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, I have another topic that I thought I would bring up. I want to get your thoughts on wokeness, culture, mm -hmm. cancel culture. These are buzzwords in our time right now. And of course, social media has affected the type of language we use. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, I think as far as wokeness is concerned i feel like social media has or can be used as a way for people to become better educated if that's something that they seek out to to learn or know better but i also feel like people might use it in a way to tell people they're not woke <laughs> <laughs> for me wokeness is it's kind of case by case I think everyone has room to learn basically if you want to share a little bit about what you've seen related to wokeness or even cancel culture I can't lump them in and speak on them at once that's for sure well I will say with wokeness I think it's it's I think it started out like as a positive thing and just in a few short years it became like almost a derogatory thing to a to a group of people as well and so people throw it out as an insult and it's not necessarily got one meaning, but I will say, you know, waking up has been really important in my journey. You always practice, you never arrive. Yeah. I guess it just feels like there should be nuance and compassion around wokeness because like the word itself alludes to movement. It alludes to something happening, not something like past tense, right? Like 
waking, mm. becoming awake, always going to have more room to, to wake up. Yeah. Okay. I think um, that that's super helpful for me um, to hear you say too, because it actually brings up how I feel <laughs> as a black woman um, in a, in a world that is systemically not always the best for me. <laughs> um, for me, I think that is also a a boundary thing too. For instance, I've known people who are waking up and sometimes that can be draining when you realize that some people aren't privy to circumstances that I've always known or always experienced. Um, But for me, I think I'm more compassionate about the people that are actually like trying to learn or are doing their work to, to be better present through that too. Sometimes I do need to set boundaries for myself in the sense of how much capacity I have, but I think it can bring a lot of authentic conversation and a new reality of how you can exist or be with people too. It's helped me better connect to some folks and it's helped me see folks in a new way too. And I think that there are all sorts of people in all parts of the journey whose presence are important, depending on the intersections of all our various identities. But there are people who are like the quintessential woke people, activists, people that people that call, use woke as derogatory would think of maybe. And I say to them that those people are prophets. I just think that there's a place for what they're doing. There's a place for the discomfort because that's a lot of the time what ushers us forward and shifts our paradigm as opposed to being patient, being gracious, being compassionate, understanding that people haven't woken up yet. That has a place and the prophet who is not going to let you off the hook and who is going to tell you the truth has Mm. a place. I'm not going to throw out that language or I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw it out because it's a buzzword that some people think doesn't help. I'm going to like get to the root of it and continue to look for the value in it. Well, we talked a little bit about wokeness, which I want to hear your thoughts on cancel culture as well. Your perception of it and how social media shapes the power of it. I'm curious of your thoughts. Yeah. Well, I guess I was drawn to cancel culture from what you just mentioned. I feel like I am always late to knowing who's canceled. (laughs) Canceled, so to speak, in the sense of it's something that I just wasn't privy to because I'm always late. (laughs) I'm late to everything. But um, I think especially in this past year, it's been interesting in the social media spectrum um, because of some folks I've I've seen people call out cancel culture and have a conversation about accountability um, related to cancel culture and what's funny is I in what I've seen it always feels like it's related to this like popularity contest whereas like if someone with a a big following does or says something wrong, they're immediately like thrown under the bus without remorse or something to that effect. So it almost seems like trying to overpower people if they've done something wrong, whereas there doesn't always feel like there's enough grace given. But I don't really know about cancer culture as much in the sense of like what that means or how that impacts people outside of that. Mm. I'm curious how you feel or what you think about 
cancel culture yourself? I honestly, it's like we could do a whole episode on it, but I also don't want to. Because I'm like, because it's so hard to sift through. It's one of those things where you have to really think in a nuanced way about it. Because on one hand, you know, when people pull out their cell phones, justice is happening or, or movements are starting because of the power of social media to spread that information. And when, you know, you've seen, or you being the collective you, like us, we have collectively as a society seen videos of all kinds of craziness floating around. And we want to see people who are doing hateful things. We want to see them held accountable. I also notice on the level of fame, like celebrities, there's a lot of canceling that happens on various levels. And I don't know what it all means or if it's productive. I mean, I'm sure in some instances, like with the Me Too movement, that's really powerful with, you know, sexism and racism and uh, unhealthy, toxic workplace cultures, you know, that, that is causing real change because people and in, in whole organizations are going, oh, we have to do better because then there will be consequences if we don't. So, and men, men are like, oh, I have to do better because there's real consequences now. So that's, you know, the power of social media. And then at the same time, like it, I don't think I would want to be a celebrity because you're gonna do something wrong. Like you're gonna get canceled and you're gonna get the masses mad at you. If you are in the limelight, it goes back to on social media. We, we kind of treat each other as less human and we say things we wouldn't say. Um, and so when the masses do that toward a celebrity, I think I actually sometimes feel bad. I mean, assuming they weren't like a criminal or a jerk or, you know, sometimes I feel bad when, when they mess up with like what they say, cause they don't have the right vernacular or whatever. Um, cause it's like, man, they're getting like thousands to millions of energy of people coming at them and they are a human that kind of sucks. I would hate to be famous. <laughs> it's like, it's hard to sift through. I don't even know how to do it. Yeah. I think you're also like kind of teaching me about cancel culture in this moment. Um, because I think for me, it feels like two different things. Like on the one hand, I'm hearing what cancel culture could be in relationship to like how people societally view or like what a social construct might be related to it. But on the other hand, um, I feel like a justice related issue is mm-hmm. it almost shouldn't even be it shouldn't correspond with cancel culture because that is a whole other issue of equity. And that's a good differentiation to make. Thank you. Yeah. Because when I think about justice, it's just Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. that's a standalone, um, let's fight for what's right type of thing. Versus when I think about cancel culture, it feels like this thing um, people have made up to um, disregard someone's humanity in some instances social media is its own world yeah (laughs) and the other thing is this is there's a cycle to cancel culture a rhythm to it and so again i'm speaking more like you just made that differentiation i'm speaking not of justice stuff but just like social media 
etiquette vernacular, the narrative that we're supposed, you know, that's correct or whatever. It feels like there's a rhythm where someone says something wrong. Everyone gets up in arms about it. They demand an apology. Then they apologize. Then everyone says, oh, you're only apologizing because we called you out. (laughs) So there's like no space for anything else. It's just like an endless cycle. And I guess the part that I get hung up with that, because for me as a person of faith, I have an end goal and the end goal is for real change and real liberation. And for that to happen, there has to be collective change. And for there to be collective change, there has to be individual shifts in consciousness. And so there has to, at some point, be room for people to to change their ways. And I don't understand where that room is <laughs> in, in, the, in the context of can cancel call. And I'm not at all, like I'm not trying to protect anyone or let anyone off the hook at all. I'm just genuinely wondering how our end goal is ever achieved in that cycle. I feel that it's also like, it makes me curious why people sometimes choose cancel culture or see that as an effective means. The whole energy of social media and how people respond to chaos, how people respond to division and discord and anxiety, collective anxiety. I think that and and observing it and wanting to kind of go a road less traveled is a part of what brought us together in conversation and a part of why we named the podcast nuance, nuance T for truth, the truth Mm -hmm. being found in the nuance and the gray areas and the sifting. And I feel like social media is going to be a big part of our future. And there's always great things about social media, but I think we also need to be mindful of the ways that it can not always serve us in the best ways and be discerning to how we can show up and continue to create community in the space when it so requires or that's something we see. So as we were having this conversation, I kind of wrote down a few little uh, words that kind of sum up how we come to social media, the posture we take, how do we do it? How do we navigate it in light of all these conversations? I heard from us that presence in our real life is really important, that clarity in our eyes, looking at the people in our real life, you know, really being present and then also embodiment, listening to what our body tells us and stepping away from social media because our body, our bodies tell us, and we just don't always listen. And then urgency, not moving through social media with urgency, but taking a step back, not reacting, not absorbing what people are Uh, putting out that isn't helpful for us and curating our content of what we receive and what we put out so that we're being helpful and that we're receiving life-giving content and also, you know, the content we need to be receiving to help us grow and learn. 
Anything else that you would add, Brittany? Yeah. Um, that curating piece really like speaks to my soul a lot. Um, another thing I think that I'm growing into a lot more is setting intention. So even when I post, I'm mindful of what I'm putting out into the world. And even when I come to the space, I'm mindful of what is really best for me or if I even need to be on Instagram in that moment, if I'm using Instagram as a distraction Mm. or a way to learn or grow. Part of the problem with social media is that it's an escape for people and it's a way to numb out and not deal with hard emotions, hard circumstances. We can just stare at our screen and scroll, scroll, scroll to distract ourselves from our inner work. But when we do our inner work, when we do our healing work, and when we really engage our bodies, engage our intuition, then when we come to social media, we're so in tune with ourselves and what we need and what's best for us that maybe we can actually honor those prompts that tell us, okay, this is just a distraction. Okay. You're feeling anxious now. Get off of here. Um, It's not that we don't know that those things are happening. It's just, we're so disconnected from ourselves a lot of the time that we don't listen to the, to the nudges. Yeah. And I'll add to that. I think I'm going to challenge the folks who are listening. Maybe social media isn't always your, your go-to for a distraction. So if it's not, pay attention to what a distraction in your own life might look like. How can you create a space where you show up in more fullness and presence? Even now, um, pay attention to your own rhythm, what works, what doesn't work, what you could do better, or how you're feeling in a moment of ease or angst. So we want to thank everybody for tuning in to this episode on social media. There's so much to think about, so much to process, and we hope that this was a good starting point for you to do your own reflecting. Of course, we love knowing that you're holding this space with us right now, and we'd love for you to continue connecting with us, ironically, on social media. (laughs) (laughs) Follow us so that when you are in a space of healthy engagement with social media, you can check out what we are up to. We are Nuance Tea Podcast on both Instagram and Facebook, and especially engage with us on our Mantra Mondays, where you can do some reflecting on your inner self and your inner healing. And then often on Tuesdays, we will go live on Clubhouse for some bedtime affirmations. We're glad to have you, and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye-bye.